This is Brain Diet, episode number 53. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Brain Diet podcast. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to remind you that this week, the Gym for Your Mind is open. You can enroll and immediately get access to everything that is inside the Brain Diet membership program. Inside the Gym for Your Mind, I give you all sorts of opportunities to exercise your mind. This is what's required in order for us to cultivate mental health. This is a place for you to develop mental health skills and emotional health skills. Many of our emotional health skills revolve around food. So that is why I have created the course inside the Brain Diet Membership Program called The Diet That Has Nothing to Do with Food. And as the title indicates, it has nothing to do with food and everything to do with your emotional health and your emotional relationship with food. Because when you do that work, it is life-changing. So check out the gym for your mind. The link to my website is in the show notes. And if you are ready, then join. It's so much fun in there. And there's so much coaching being done and effective skills being built if you needed a reminder, this is it. So at least check it out and see if it's something that you are interested in. Today, I want to teach you how to properly rest. This is something that has been on my mind a little bit lately. And so I felt like it was kind of at the forefront of my brain in terms of topics to discuss on the podcast. So I'm excited to share today what it is that I have prepared for you because I'm not really sure I knew how to rest until I started considering these ideas that I'm going to share with you today. And it's been so helpful for me. And of course, this podcast is all about sharing information that's good for your brain. And so if it facilitates a way to elevate your human experience from good to better to best, then of course, I'm going to share it with you. So when I think of rest, usually I think of sleep. I think most of us do that. Most of us think of sleeping as a way of resting, which it is. But have you ever tried to sleep more and still felt exhausted? This happens to me sometimes when I go on vacation. I feel like I go on vacation and sleep a lot, and then I come home and still feel exhausted. I don't feel rejuvenated like I thought I would. This is where the rest of this material that I'm going to share with you today comes in. Sleep and rest are not the same thing. Did you know this? Most of us incorrectly confuse the two, but we go through life thinking that we've rested because we've gotten enough sleep, but we're actually missing out on other types of rest that we desperately need. Desperately need, my friends. I'm here to help you. So what I am sharing with you today is based on some information that was shared by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is a physician and researcher, and her material was published in a series from the TED community called How to Be a Better Human, which I love that title because isn't that what we're all trying to do is be a better human? <laughs> and I don't mean of more worth, but I just mean with more knowledge and capability to elevate what we have as humans and what we are capable of as humans. So Dr. Dalton Smith says rest and not just sleep rest is the most underused chemical free, safe alternative therapy available to us. What? 
the most underused chemical-free safe alternative therapy available to us, of course, it's worth learning about. Hello. So of course, I'm going to share it with you because I want to contribute to your mental health and your overall health. So I hope that's what we can achieve today. So there are seven areas that need to be addressed in order to achieve adequate restoration is what she calls it. The first is physical. So it can be active or passive. This is where sleep falls. This is the category under which sleep exists because it is a way of physically resting and rejuvenating. So sleeping or napping is a more passive way of getting physical rest. Yoga, stretching, massage therapy, um, ways to help improve the body's circulation and flexibility. Those are more active physical ways to achieve rest. This is probably nothing new to you. This is probably what you are really good at. This is personally my area of strength is physical rest. I'm pretty good for the most part at getting sleep and I'm pretty good at getting physical activity, um, in a way that helps promote circulation and flexibility and all of that. So, okay, check mark. We've got the physical space down. And if you don't, now you have an opportunity to try sleeping more, active, physical recovery more. <laughs> so, okay, number one, physical. Number two, the second area is mental. Have you ever heard of those types of people, or maybe you are one of those people that feel like you can't turn your brain off at night? I was definitely one of those people years ago, and I wouldn't say I am now, but that was something that I remember thinking that I just felt like I couldn't turn my brain off at night. Or even there were times during the day where I felt like I just couldn't turn my brain off. I was so overwhelmed with everything that was happening in my brain that it was exhausting for me. The solution to this, my friends, in order to achieve mental rest is first and foremost to do thought downloads. If you're familiar with the podcast and what I have shared, I talk relatively often about doing thought downloads. So what that looks like, it's not just journaling. You don't censor yourself. You take a pen to paper and you write and you get everything in your brain onto paper. And it might be difficult to get all of it onto paper. I mean, we have roughly 60,000 thoughts a day. So of course we're not going to get all of those thoughts onto paper, but if something is circulating and it's bothersome, then of course it's going to be really useful to get it out of your head and onto paper. And then to make sure you exercise complete curiosity and no judgment about what it is that you find inside your brain. I will insert a caveat here. Having a coach to help you sort through your mind, to give you the mental rest that you require is crucial. And it can be so helpful when there's so much going on in our brain. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult to know where to start or how to manage it because there's so much that might have been ignored for such a long period of time. So having a coach can be really helpful in allowing you to start sorting through what's happening. I kind of think of it like the closet that you don't ever want to think about, but you're always stuffing stuff into. If you're not taking the time to really look at it and organize it, but you keep putting stuff in there, it's going to start to overflow. But because you want to keep it shut, you're going to be using a lot of energy to keep that door shut when it wants to burst open with everything that's happening inside. So this is why it's exhausting. If we aren't consistently downloading, just like we're downloading information onto a hard drive, if we're not doing this regularly, then it will fill up and it will cause problems. So again, having a coach can be helpful for this. But bottom line, what will be most helpful is just to pay attention to what's in there on a regular basis. Make sure you get it all out onto paper so that your brain 
allows itself to kind of clean up a little bit. (laughs) Okay. So mental, we've got physical and mental. The third one is sensory rest. Have you ever heard of sensory overload? I think this is something that is much more common in this day and age because of what we have available to us. And that is such a brilliant thing. We have so many amazing resources to us. So instead of resenting what we have available to us for causing us problems, we just have to know how to manage it and how to manipulate it in a way so we can use it for what amazing purpose it serves. And then we can also take care of ourselves for potential consequences. Okay. So if you think about it, we are around electricity, bright lights, computer screens. We have background noise. We might have conversations throughout the day. We are on zoom calls. Kids are on zoom school. Our eyes and our ears are exposed to concentrated stimuli daily, right? And then our hands and noses and taste buds can also be because we have a lot of processed foods and things that are concentrated more so than they were when we were cave people, right? And so our senses aren't really meant to handle the overload that is offered in this day and age. So what we have to do is be mindful of this, that maybe we aren't really able to handle all of the sensory overload. So we just have to make sure we take care of ourselves, okay? This reminded me, my husband and I just went to a hot spring, It was in Idaho and it was in the middle of nowhere and we stayed in a yurt and it was amazing. We pulled in and there was no electricity. There was no cell phone service. There was no Wi-Fi. We were completely disconnected from technology. I'm talking, we had like a wood burning stove in the yurt that my husband had to just like keep throwing in wood. It was amazing, right? So we'd stay in the yurt and then we would go sit in the hot springs. So, so fun. I will admit being there and doing this was a little bit strange for me and a little bit disorienting at first. I felt like I needed the exposure to the sensory overload in order to function. It reminded me, however, once I felt so rejuvenated afterward that it's so necessary to take a step back from those sensory stimuli as regularly as possible in order to give our sensory system some rest to give ourselves a break. Sometimes what we tend to do is we overload our senses as a way of avoiding feeling emotions. So again, this comes back to the closet analogy that I mentioned earlier. Sometimes our closets are filled with emotions that we don't want to experience. We just keep stuffing emotions in there and then putting a block between them and us through sensory overload, whether it's something like food or TV or our phones. Does this sound familiar to you? (laughs) This is something that many of us can do and that's okay. Again, it's just something that we have to understand so that we can really exercise some self care in order to avoid sensory overload. It becomes a combination of being willing to feel our emotions as opposed to block ourselves from them and taking a step back from certain stimuli. So something that I do in the morning is when I first wake up, I don't do any electronics. I don't look at my phone. I don't check any social media. I don't look at my computer. I have a practice that I do in the morning that involves reading, prayer, meditation to really give myself some sensory rest after I've had some physical rest from the night's sleep. During my meditation, in order to then feel my emotions... 
I really check in with my body and check in with what it is that I'm feeling. When I can intentionally set this mentality at the beginning of the day, throughout the day, I can kind of return back to this meditatory state and remind myself, yes, today I feel my emotions. I'm not going to put a buffer between me and them. I'm going to feel them instead of overloading my system with sensory stimulus. This reminds me of what I learned from Glennon Doyle in her book, Untamed. She talks about meditation and she talks about how it's like she sinks into her body. And at first I was like, okay, what does she mean? And then I started to visualize this idea of sinking and it just like clicked in my brain as something that was so awesome. (laughs) So maybe this type of thing will work for you and maybe it won't, but again, I'm just offering it to you and you can do with it what you may. But what I imagine is as I'm meditating in the morning or periodically throughout the day, I imagine that I am in a very clear, beautiful ocean and I sink under the waves. So I sit towards the bottom of the ocean and all of my emotions and intense feelings and everything that's happening for me normally, I imagine that it's just happening on top of the ocean. And then below, I just get to sit and sink below it and just kind of watch the waves pass over it as opposed to like being thrown in the waves and then trying to just numb myself away from what's happening in the waves while I'm drowning. (laughs) Kind of a morbid analogy, but you get my point. Okay. So sensory rest, see how you can accomplish that. Number four is creative rest. Dr. Dalton Smith says that this is important for anyone who is a problem solver or is required to brainstorm new ideas. However, our brains are always solving problems, whether it's something we do for a job or just in our everyday life, that is what our brain is designed to do. So I think we all have brains that are solving problems. And I believe that we are all meant to brainstorm new ideas. I believe that as humans, we are meant to contribute to the world with what we can create with our unique brain. So creative rest is useful for everybody, not just the creative types. I remember the first time that I went to Hawaii, it was magical. It was such a shift in, in visual from my apartment that I was living in college. And it was inspiring to me. And though it wasn't Hawaii that was inspiring me. It was how I was thinking about Hawaii. I really gave myself a proper circumstance to give my brain every opportunity to be inspired. Whereas what I had at my apartment in college, while I loved it so much, I didn't give my brain opportunities to have amazing thoughts. So it is about surrounding yourself with things that speak to you. Creative rest is about putting things in your immediate environment that give your brain opportunities to think creative and inspiring thoughts. I do this at my home with artwork. I love putting pictures up and paintings and all sorts of different pieces of art that I look at and immediately my brain starts to go to work with thoughts and feelings and all sorts of things happen for me inside me when I look at these pieces of art. If I didn't have them there, my brain wouldn't be as inclined to go to that space. So creative rest. Number five is emotional rest. This is something that I think relates to creative rest in that we have to be deliberate in what circumstances we surround ourselves with. So as we can surround ourselves with pieces of art and things that allow our brain to have useful thoughts, I don't think it is as useful to be watching the news all day, every day to be checking a newsfeed all day, every day. When you do this, you are giving your brain consistent and constant opportunities to have negative thoughts. 
It allows your brain to think exhausting and painful thoughts when you do this. And again, news is just one example, but there are other areas in our life where we are constantly presenting circumstances to ourselves for our brain to have negative thoughts about. So as much as you can, surrounding yourself with circumstances that give your brain, again, these opportunities to think useful thoughts is going to be a way for you to facilitate some emotional rest for yourself. Another piece to emotional rest is to not deny your negative emotions. When we have negative emotions and then we deny them, we resist them, we argue with them, we think that it's a problem that we have them, we resist them. We go into immediate resistance of them. And when we do that, it's exhausting. Again, coming back to this closet analogy, that's kind of my analogy theme that goes across this episode, but pushing that door closed to a closet that's full of clutter is exhausting. Resisting emotions is exhausting. So part of emotional rest is to acknowledge that you have negative emotions and that that is okay. Negative emotions are not problems to be solved. And when we think that they are, that is how we exhaust ourselves emotionally. Feeling emotions all the way through, positive or negative, is very healing and cleansing and useful and allows you to move forward. So emotional rest comes from what you surround yourself with and allowing yourself to have a completely 50-50 emotional experience all the positive ones and all of the negative ones. Number six is social rest. When we interact in social situations, if we are showing up as any other version than ourselves, we are showing up in a way that is inauthentic. And that is also exhausting. Forcing yourself to be someone who you are not is exhausting. Social rest comes from doing the work to know who you are so that you can show up in the world in a way that is true for you. Being yourself is energizing. And sometimes being yourself means that you take a break from certain social interactions. And that is amazing, of course. But when we do have social interactions, we have to be very mindful in how we are showing up. If you find that you are showing up in a way around other people that is not true to who you are, if you are showing up in a way that is with the intent to people please, then there is some mental management to be done. Knowing who you are, figuring out who you are brings energy to your life And it allows you to find your tribe. We have to be very deliberate in who we want to surround ourselves with. And if we want to surround ourselves with people that like a version of us that's a lie, then we're going to be exhausted all the time. We want to surround ourselves with the people that love us for who we truly are. But in order to surround ourselves with our tribe that truly loves us, we have to do the work to figure out who we are. What do you like and not like? And how can you learn to be willing to show up as yourself in every situation and every circumstance? The final area of rest is spiritual rest. What this means is engaging with something greater than 
you. Whether it's through prayer or meditation or community involvement, incorporating that into your daily routine brings you spiritual rest. I think about the relief that I experience when I visualize turning over things that I don't understand to the universe. There are things in my life and in my existence that I don't feel capable of understanding or bearing and being able to turn to a higher power and just give all of that to the higher power brings me relief. It brings me spiritual rest. It's as if I don't have to carry everything on my shoulders. I recognize and connect with a power that is more powerful than I am and will ever be. And that's an amazing thing. What a relief, right? We're not the ones in charge. (laughs) So my friends, to recap the seven areas of rest that are required for adequate restoration are physical, mental, sensory, creative, emotional, social, and spiritual. As you can see, sleep alone cannot effectively restore us to the point that we need in order to feel rested. So it is time for us to begin focusing on getting the right type of rest that we need that will rejuvenate us. So what that requires of you is to focus on where you are using the most of your energy every day. Which area of the ones that I have given you today is one that is lacking the most? Which area requires the most replenishment and attention? Make the effort to rest in that area. When you deliberately rest on purpose and take the time to take care of yourself, you then create more of you to give in the world and to contribute in the world. Prioritize your rest, my friends. And be sure to enroll in the gym for your mind, the Brain Diet Membership Program, so that you can continue to facilitate rest in these areas by learning more about these types of topics in this program. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I will talk to you next week. Thank you.